0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Ramiumptum Ruminations. My name is Scott, and I'm the host. Today's episode is called Does Jesus Need $32 Billion Dollars? Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode. And if this is your first time here, take a seat, sit back, grab a donut, maybe some coffee and we'll jump right into this discussion. Last week we discussed the SEC charges against the LDS church and compared the story of Daniel in the lion's den to the modern church and contrasted some of the responses or the different responses from the LDS church today to what a How a prophet from the scriptures responded to being um, charged by the government with breaking the law. My big takeaway from the whole event is that the church didn't deny that they broke the law, they admitted to it and are paying a fine. In contrast with Daniel praying and being protected from the government, the LDS church today just paid the fine and tried to brush it under the rug. So I want to start this off with a question. And, and to maybe get our minds moving in the same direction here. The motive, as stated in these charges for the church to break the law here, church leadership was worried about the negative consequences to the image of the church if the world at large knew exactly how much money they have. This was their motive. They were worried about the optics of the church running a financial institution with $32 billion as of 2018, which undoubtedly has grown exponentially since then. Before I get too far ahead on this, the the word billion is hard to grasp. It's such a big number that it's really hard when we say it to really comprehend how big that number is. So I want to compare it to a couple of Couple of other numbers to try and establish just how vast that number is. Let's put it into seconds. So a billion seconds and just see how long that is. But first, I want to say a thousand seconds is 16 minutes and 40 seconds long. A million seconds is about 12 days. And a Billion seconds is thirty-one years. Thirty-two billion seconds. Thirty-two billion seconds is one thousand and fourteen years. Again, just to compare it to a thousand seconds or a million seconds, one million seconds is twelve days. 32 billion seconds is 1,014 years. This is just how much money that the church was holding in 2018. It is an unfathomably large amount of money. Okay, now that we got that on the table, I want to read a passage from Matthew this is Matthew 6 from the Sermon on the Mount, nineteen, twenty, and 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This right here is key this right here for me illustrates that the leadership of the church has lost their way and are not managing this church in the way that a religious institution should be managed if the church were concerned about the welfare the livelihood of their members of the people that believe in it or of the people in the world at large Is this how they would act from the church handbook on the section six, the bishopric 6.1.4.1. It says the bishop has a divine mandate to seek out and care for those with temporal needs. He delegates much of his work to the relief society and elders quorum presidencies. The bishop and I'm skipping a couple of paragraphs. Members of the bishopric teach principles of caring for those in need and building self-reliance. They also teach the law of the fast. They oversee gatherings of fast offerings. The bishop instructs other ward leaders in their responsibilities to care for those in need. He also leads the ward council in these efforts. So it's safe to say that one of the responsibilities, at least on a local level with, with the bishop, is to care for the temporal needs of the congregation. The question I ask is, could the church afford to help Its members through crises more? Would that even be a drop in the hat to the vast wealth of the church? What if this vast wealth of the church were used to help the members in need? I recognize that the church is trying to teach financial stability and self reliance. I understand that. But the church can afford to help people. They can afford to build homeless shelters. They can afford to take care of those in need when a crisis occurs. Maybe not no questions asked. I'm not saying that the church shouldn't make sure that the person really is in need. But if the bishop's responsibility is to the temporal welfare of the members of the church, Why is the institution preventing them from helping people? There's a video that bishops are recommended to watch called Sacred Funds, Sacred Responsibilities. If you're interested, Google it, check it out. It features some apostles of the church. Elder Suarez is in there. Um, Also, M. Russell Ballard. In it, there's a line that Elder Suarez says that I think is poignant, and he cites a scripture that I think is damning of the church more than um, promoting what they're trying to say. He says that these are not your funds. He's talking to the bishop and the funds available to help those in need in their congregation. He says, these are not your funds. These are the Lord's funds to use as he sees fit. And then he goes on to say, maintaining complete financial records is essential to safeguarding sacred funds and protecting church leaders who must be blameless in order to have the spiritual power to fulfill their callings. What he's saying here is that church leaders cannot be blameless if they mishandle funds, sacred funds of the church. The scripture cited by Elder Suarez here is Doctrine and Covenants 72.3. So if, if the previous statement wasn't damning enough, here is the passage of scripture that they cite. And verily, in this thing ye have done wisely, for it is required of the Lord at the hand of every steward to render an account of his stewardship, both in time and in eternity. So let's all put our believer hats back on. We'll look at this from the perspective of, of a believer in the church, someone who has a testimony. and goes to church every Sunday, thinks about these men as prophets, and that they speak for God. If we're going to take all of these things at face value, it does not look good for the leadership of the church right now. They will be held accountable in time and in eternity for mishandling the funds of the church. If I'm misunderstanding this, if there's a believer out there who, who is listening and wants to come to the table and say, hey, I think you might be misinterpreting this somewhere, please reach out. I would love to hear how this can be rationalized away. In my mind, I typically categorize some of my problems with the church in one of two camps, one where a believer could easily explain it away or faith or some other thing might be able to adequately respond to a problem and it just comes down to personal belief or an individual and the other camp would be something that i i do not feel is reconcilable and the sec charges against the church fall firmly in that category i don't think that i don't think that when examined thoroughly that this is good in any aspect either for a believer or a non-believer. I do not believe there is an adequate way to explain and reconcile the way that the church has mismanaged these funds, tried to hide them, broken the law, been charged, and paid the fine or will pay the fine. Please, if there's a believer out there, make this make sense for me because it really does not. When we use the word church, we can refer to so many different things. It's actually pretty ambiguous the way that we use it. And oftentimes, and even in this, own ep- this episode that I have gone through, I have used it in probably every single way that it could be used. The church can refer to the building. It can refer to the congregation. It can refer to the organization of the church. It can refer to the doctrines of the church. It can refer to specifically the leadership of the church. It covers a vast array of meanings that when we use it interchangeably with all of them, we lose some of the meaning. So in this episode, as I have been describing my problems with the church, I don't specifically mean the congregation or the buildings. I'm speaking specifically to the leadership of the church. That's where I have my problem. That's where I feel like there's this irreconcilable issue with them mishandling these funds. From a secular standpoint, they've broken the law, they've done something wrong, and they really need to be punished for it. From a believer standpoint, again, they broke the law, they mismanaged these funds, and according to their own scriptures, they will be held accountable for mishandling these funds in time and in eternity. So when I say the church there, I mean the leadership of the church will be held account- accountable, according to their own beliefs for mismanaging these funds. To wrap up this part of the discussion, let's think for a moment and envision. Again, we're going to, we're going to imagine that we are believers, that we are fully committed to the church and we have all the faith in the world in Christ and in the prophet. What if Let's use that advice from Elder Hamilton a couple of months back. I think this was in um, January of 2023. He said that phrase, substitute the word Savior or Lord or Jesus Christ in place of the church. So let's do that. Let's do that exercise right here. Christ was concerned that disclosure of his portfolio, which by 2018 grew to approximately $32 billion, would lead to negative consequences. To obscure the amount of Christ's portfolio and with God's knowledge and approval, Ensign Peak created 13 shell LLCs, ostensibly with locations throughout the U.S., and filed Forms 13F in the names of these LLCs rather than in Ensign Peak's name. We allege that Jesus Christ's invest- investment manager, with Christ's knowledge, went to great lengths to avoid disclosing his investments, depriving the commission and the investing public of accurate market information. When these men are propped up to be representatives of Jesus Christ, it is at odds with the nature of Christ as presented in the scriptures. When we look at them with any amount of scrutiny, what if Jesus Christ had $32 billion? What do you think he would do with that? What advice, according to what is written about him in the scriptures, what advice do you think he would give about that money? What would Jesus do? Would he obfuscate it? Hide it? Or would, as I cited in the previous episode, would he give it all away to the poor? Sell all your possessions and give it away to the poor. And follow me wasn't that his counsel to the rich man for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the lds church has long brought in lawyers and businessmen to run the institution we could go into the history about how it's gone bankrupt a couple of times and and perhaps it was necessary for a time to bring in that type of a of a person to to help the church stay afloat and continue operating. But what we have today is a direct result of that. This church is not run by theologians. It is run by businessmen. What it looks like is that they are turning a profit. They're turning a profit and paying themselves from these donations. It looks like they're turning a profit on the tithing funds and keeping it as a rainy day fund that we may or may not ever touch. As of 2018, the church could have given $4 to every human on the planet and still had $5 billion in the bank. These numbers are just like unreal. A a billion is just is such a large number that it's hard to fathom. It gets thrown around a lot lately with other billionaires in the world, but it is such a big number that it is almost impossible to grasp just how big 32 billion is. And it's estimated to be much, much bigger than that today. This was as of 2018, which is five years ago. If Jesus were running this church, would it look like what it is today? Last week I asked the question, why would knowledge of these assets, why would knowledge of the truth have a negative consequence for the church? The truth would have a negative consequence for the the church. The members and the general public would view the church negatively if they knew the truth about how the church managed these funds this should be a red flag to any listener out there wherever you find yourself on the belief spectrum active believing member to fully out no question about it zero doubts that it's false this is a red flag whether you believe russell m nelson was called as a prophet or not he broke the law here and the church acted in a manner that is against what a typical member of the church would say is the right thing to do. When looking at this and, you know, putting in the name of Christ instead of the church here, it's a little facetious. I'm, I'm making light of it. But to turn it a little bit more serious, I want to bring up a story about Christ that, that is directly in contrast to this. The story that I'm going to cite is... Uh, Jesus at the temple with the moneylenders. This is found in all of the the synoptic gospels. It is in Matthew twenty one twelve. It's Mark eleven fifteen. It's Luke nineteen forty five. In each of these narratives, it's part of the catalyst that leads to Jesus being arrested. It does appear in John, but it's a little bit different. It's earlier on in the ministry, but that's a. <laughs> not relevant to what we're talking about. I'm actually going to read the one from Mark eleven fifteen 15 through 17. This is the NIV. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. 16. And would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. If I am to envision Jesus Christ reacting to these SEC charges against the LDS Church, this is the passage that comes to mind. The LDS Church has grown its finances off of the tithing of members of the Church. How is that any different? this story at the temple where Jesus gets upset, is throwing over tables, and is telling people you cannot make a profit off of the salvation of people. You are making it a den of robbers. Would it be accurate to assume that Christ would also refer to the LDS church today as a den of robbers? Thanks for listening to the episode today. This episode may be more geared towards a believing member or somebody who might dialogue with believing members about these issues more openly. I hope that this provided you with some some ideas to bring to the table as you discuss this. And if you have some other thoughts or other ideas about it, please reach out. Let me know. And the next episode that I plan on doing, which will probably be two weeks away, I've got a special one for next week that I'm I'm pretty excited about. So got something something else next week and then i will do a responses episode to these last couple um the week after that so wherever you find yourself out there doom scrolling through tiktok i hope that you have an excellent day